G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hi, it's Neil Johnson and welcome to today's 2020 podcast. Remember, you can hear 2020, the full program, from 10 a.m. Eastern Time, that's 11 Eastern Daylight Saving Time, on the Vision Radio Network weekdays. We're back on the topic today of missions, with a special focus on what age should you be before taking seriously the Great Commission and going literally into all the world doing mission work. We often hear about people in their middle and older years going on mission trips, But how young is too young to be effective in global missions? To talk about teenagers preparing for and going off on mission trips, Mike Riley is with us from Teen Missions International Australia. Hi, Mike. Welcome to 2020. Well, thank you. Mike, uh, sometimes we hear about people going off on mission trips and uh, people who are devoting their lives to mission. We're usually talking about people in their middle years, sometimes their later years. But you guys are working with people in their younger years. Yeah, we work with 13 and up. And 13-year-olds, what sort of response do they have when you start to talk about serving God in a way that is cross-cultural and across the seas? Well, we find that they're very excited about it. And uh, they're very, they have the adventurous spirit. Um, it seems like when they get older, they, they kind of lose it. Whereas at 13, they, they want to conquer the world then, not wait until they graduated from university or seminary. They want to do something now. And Mike, you've been doing this for, what, 25 years plus. You would have seen children coming through your program and having gone to the mission fields. Uh, are there a lot of kids from past days who keep in touch and uh, they're going on to serve God in even greater ways? Oh, yes, very much so. Um, I have a, I can't give names in some of the countries they're serving in, but they catch the vision of serving God, and then they end up going somewhere. I have a, one of my students who um, still is me from Yemen and has been there during the whole conflict and still there with him and his wife and his family. Um, I have students trying to sneak across borders in countries that uh, um, do not allow any kind of Christianity. And I have others who are running huge youth groups and youth camps in, in, uh, in Europe and Asia and Africa. It's amazing because uh, you're working with children, as you say, as young as 13 years at a time when uh, their life is before them and they are filled with a certain courage uh, and you talk about a sense of adventure that sometimes you do lose when you get a little older. Yeah, and that's right. I mean, it's, it, it, and we do it over their summer holidays. And the thing of it is, when, once they can see what they can do, they can do anything. The problem is we, sometimes we as parents, we're so worried about, oh, they may do this, or oh, no, I worry about them about that. And, and the thing of it is, uh, they're not worried. They have a faith and a trust, and then they go off. And when they, when they do go, we find many of them, uh, the majority, um, really it's a life-changing thing. It's a permanent thing. And they, they grow up with a sense of accomplishment. They grow up with a sense of destiny and purpose. They grow up with a sense of, 
hey, look, if I can do it there in, in Vanuatu or if I can do it there in, in Zambia, I can do this anywhere, including in Australia. What does it do for a teenager, Mike? Uh, does it keep uh, teenagers' feet firmly on the ground of reality? Because uh, here in Australia, we grow up with uh, such a consumer society. Uh, we're very materialistic. What happens in the life of a teenager when they start to experience something of what happens cross-culturally and, and being part of this mission that we've all been called to uh, over thousands of years? But the thing of it is, I mean, it's life-changing. That's the only phrase I can probably think of the most. When you go to India, we sent a team just last year to uh, India leprosy. And when you sit down and paint the house for a leper and you look into their eyes and all they can say is thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You cannot go home, not change. When you have teenagers, all they do all summer long is either go to work their four-hour job at a local shop and then come home and play uh, their games and they think that's all in life. Real Christianity is not just, you know, the church in every Sunday. Real Christianity is showing out what Jesus said, go into the world, feed my children. When he said, when you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. Uh, The thing I find funny about the goats and the sheep, they both thought they were doing right, but neither one knew they were doing it for God. It was a natural byproduct. When you take young people and you put them in a country like India or uh, Nepal or uh, uh, Vanuatu or you know Zimbabwe, Zambia, wherever we send them, they all of a sudden naturally want to keep going that way. They naturally want to make make a difference in the world, not just there in that country, but everywhere they go. And to me, that's just responsible responsible citizenship. This idea of making a difference in the world, uh, and uh, as I was saying, sometimes when people uh, take to missions, it's because they're in middle years and uh, in their later years and they somehow have a feeling of, you know, I've had my life, uh, I've had a career, I need to do something that's going to make a difference. If you can get a hold of a life from the youngest years, uh, what a huge difference can be made by some of those children who grow up to be world changers. Well, I mean, it, you, you said it. I'm not, I'm not sure how much you can add to that. They grow up to be world changers. Um, some grow up to be doctors and lawyers and um, business people who then uh, turn around and use the funds that they've donated um, help AIDS, orphan street children. We have uh, several people who have been on team missions teams um, don't feel called to be a full-time missionary, but they still feel called for God's kingdoms and, and expanding uh, and seeing the gospel pro- proclaimed. And they turn around and, and tie their money or donate money, literally tens and thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. So it's teenagers. First of all, you start off with like a summer camp, and they're introduced to world missions in an interesting and uh, a way that whets their appetite for more. How does it happen when a, when a teenager signs up to come and be a part of what you guys are doing? So what they do is they, they log on, they fill out the form, read all the literature we send very quickly. They come to Taunton for 10 days, and we'll teach them uh, uh, basic uh, things that they need to bring overseas. Uh, we teach them block laying, uh, uh, what else, concreting, uh, chippy work, et cetera, et cetera. So whatever project they're going to, to build or work, we'll train, train them for 10 days here, including um, drama, music, and evangelism. After that 10 days, and we make it as miserable as possible, because if we are going to have them uh, go home, we'd rather have them go home here from Tawantan than from Chile. 
<laughs> I like I like what you're saying there, Mike. In in one sense, uh, you know, I can I can hear parents thinking, uh, "I hope my child will be looked after." You're actually saying that a teen missions camp is a little bit like a boot camp where they're put through their paces, and they're actually not designed to be a fun uh, opportunity. But you're teaching them real skills Correct. and how to cope with real. Serious, uh, even crises, if they are in a mission environment. We teach them a mission environment, so they live in tents with no electricity, no water. Uh, they're they're out in, in the. Uh, we have about 200 acres of bushland. They're out in the bush. Um, so yeah, they, we give them as is what they may get overseas. Then after that 10 days, we have a commissioning service, and we light a candle, the gospel light. And if they light that candle and choose to go. They'll take that gospel light to the country they're going to. But if they say, hey, look, you know, I don't feel called. I'd rather go home. Then they don't light the candle and end up going home. Mike Riley, the director of Teen Missions International Australia, and I should say that Tawantan, uh, for listeners uh, in other states than Queensland, uh, might recognise the place known as Noosa, which is one of the most beautiful places in the nation, and Tawantan's right next door. Mike Riley, stay with us. I'm intrigued about what you're talking about. You've got some mission journeys coming up to the Solomon Islands, to the Cook Islands, Zimbabwe, Korea, Greece, and Chile. I think there'll be some listeners interested in those. We'll talk some more in just a few moments. Thank you. You're listening to the 2020 Podcast from the Vision Radio Network. We're back talking about Christians reaching out around the world in world missions with a special focus today on what age you should be before taking seriously the global aspects of the Great Commission. More specifically, we're talking about teenagers who have the opportunity to travel the world and be involved in cross-cultural mission work. Mike Riley is with us from Teen Missions International Australia. Mike, you've surprised us all talking about putting teenagers through a really tough missions preparation in a training camp situation without electricity and all the mod cons we're used to here in Australia. Do you have a high dropout rate with teenagers or are most teens hanging in there and staying the course? Well, most stay with it. Um, in, the, in the 12 years I've been in Australia and, and I've been doing teen missions since 1981, um, the Aussie teams tend to stick with it. Uh, we've had very, very few over the years. I think in the last four years we had two out of a thousand. So two out of a thousand didn't stay. The rest all loved it. Yes. So teenagers are not all about uh, sitting in front of the TV and uh, lapping up luxury. It's actually those who are going are are impressed by what they're seeing and feeling equipped to go and serve in some other countries. Exactly. And and they love the challenge. You get everybody say you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. Even teachers who are trying to say you can, but don't because you might be hurt or, you know, this, that, and the other thing. These guys just like that freedom to say, yeah, I can make a difference. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I can put, the, I can put uh, my faith in action. Um, I don't have to sit around and just go to youth group and, and come back and do nothing. Something about doing something and going home and, and remembering the, the eyes that you see, looking in their eyes, and you can see Jesus in, the, in their eyes, and they're coming back home and saying, I'll never forget that. It's, it's phenomenal. Mike, you're working with those kids as young as 13. There's something special there, too, for kids who are finishing their high school years. You're calling it a gap year. 
uh, and gap years are pretty popular and there, there's been some popular TV shows about gap years, about going and exploring the world. Uh, but if you were actually having a gap year serving God in missions, it must affect a life as we've been talking about it from kids uh, as young as 13. But if you're in those teenage years, uh, you're actually determining the direction you're going to go and kids in a gap year are actually preparing themselves in a substantial way. That's it. And we call our gap year program BMW, and we don't mean the car. We call it Bible Missionary Work Training. And it's a diploma program, which is in biblical studies and missions. Um, it's a one-year program with your internships. Um, you get to pick uh, with next year's teams or a three-month uh, internship overseas at one of our 26 bases. Mike, when you're taking these teams to the countries you've got lined up uh, in the coming times over the next 12 months, you're going to the Solomon Islands, the Cook Islands, Zimbabwe, Korea, Greece and Chile. What sort of work are those teenagers and those who are doing their gap year studies, what sort of work are they going to be doing in those countries? Okay, so like in Greece, they'll be working at a homeless shelter, um, putting up uh, a safety wall and, and renovating and painting the buildings. Uh, Chile, they're going to be working in um, uh, uh, rebuilding or hopefully building a uh, church that was destroyed by an earthquake. Zimbabwe, um, we have a Bible school there. It's been gone through all the miserable treatment that that government has gone through and still standing with, with about 30 students and growing. Um, so they're going to help them build some more rooms and fix their dormitories up. And the Korea, which is a unique opportunity. We're teaching English as a second language. Um, and then Cook Islands, we're going to work in conjunction with Youth for the Missions. We like working with those guys, um, building out one of their uh, um, dormitories and renovating and putting walls up and painting. And Solomon Islands, we're working with South CZ Evangelical Missions, in which we're helping with their school and uh, building some buildings for them. You say there's been thousands who've gone through Teen Missions International Australia over the years. Uh, Logistics-wise, I imagine the leaders and uh, people who are emerging out of the training programs that you've done, uh, you're, you're wanting to keep a leadership base that's really solid and able to be part of the equipping process. Yes, we do. And, and all our leaders, before they go on, that, and Teen Missions is not just for teens. Uh, we need adults. I mean, we need leaders to go overseas to take these teams over. Every year we're sometimes getting uh, uh, scraping to, to get the leaders for the, for the teams to go on. I'll have the teenagers all signed up and, and ready to go. We had a team last year going to Chile, and we had to cancel it because we couldn't get leaders to lead it. Um, so, yeah, the process is daunting for leaders, but it's rewarding. I mean, you feel like Paul the Apostle when you're done as a leader. You, you put all the hard yards in. You watch these teenagers grow from uh, wondering what they need to do in this world into I got a calling, I got a vision, I want to do something, I want to help my community. And when they go home, they are not the same. And these leaders are the ones who really are the, the boots on the ground. So we have leader seminars, which I train the leaders, and the leaders then will train the teenagers, and teenagers will go see the salvations. Like, for example, last year we had over 3,000 salvations um, overseas. So... It's a pretty good. It's a pretty good ministry. I can imagine. <clears throat> pardon me. I can imagine there'll be parents who are listening to our conversation now, saying, "You know, my son or my daughter will be excited to hear that there is an organisation like Teen Missions International, and that there are going to be those too, Mike, who are going to say, "Well, you know, I could be involved in something like that, coordinating teams." 
but from a leader's perspective, and uh, I suspect there'll be those who will want to make contact with you too, I'll give your website. It's www.teenmissions.com.au. Trips coming up to the Solomon Islands, the Cook Islands, Zimbabwe, Korea, Greece and Chile. And Mike Riley is the guy to talk to. And, Mike, it's been a pleasure talking through these issues, and thanks for being with us today on 2020. Well, thank you for your time. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.